Is that on? That's on. We're recording. Nice. Let's go see who's here, actually. Who is in my house? Amor? Amor? Cadê você? Signet? No, there's no signet. No one's here. I'm by myself. By the way, we call um, Lucas the Signet, which admittedly does sound like a terrible superhero. Uh, a Signet is a, is a young swan, by the way. Um, we call him the Signet uh, because that's his name. Uh, no, it's not. Uh, we call him the Signet because it started out uh, as uh, Fat One, for obvious reasons, uh, which turned into Fattest One because, you know, extrapolating on the previous, and then, uh, which turned into fattest swan, because it, it kind of vaguely sounds like that, uh, into the swan, into the signet. Therefore, his name is now Signet, because signet is such a nice word, <laughs> don't you think? It's one of those words that's just nice to say, you know, signet. It's got that G-N in the middle, it's got a hard T at the end. And it starts with a, a very nice soft S. I know it's a hard S, but still. Signet. Signet. It's nice, isn't it? It's almost like it sounds like someone it sounds like someone's from New Zealand and they're saying something else, but it's coming out as signet because of their accent. <laughs> I realise I've just made it sound like the Kiwi accent is a disability there. That's not how <laughs> Signet. Do you know what I mean? Anyway. <laughs> All right, let's go with the music. Welcome to Backpack Digital, or uh, season seven thereof. Um, okay, it's all gone wrong already. Um, what was I saying? Welcome to Backpack Digital, season seven of Backpack. I could just start again, not going to. Uh, where we, oh God, um, where we talk about. Uh, it's early. We talk about travel, minimalism, being a digital nomad. And the real most important things in life. That will, that will become a lot easier. Um, if you're in... <clears throat> uh, first place that comes to mind. I'm thinking Russia. Why am I thinking Russia? If you're in St. Petersburg, Russia. Which I haven't been to, but I've flown over. And I've been to the airport. Uh, and it looks lovely. It does. Uh, but I did have dengue fever at that point. Uh, and... I hadn't drank in about, like, two days or something, two and a half days. Maybe longer, actually. And, uh, well, maybe not, I'd be dead. Uh, but, but I remember I had to take a seven-hour bus journey down from um, Rishikesh, down to New Delhi. And uh, that was horrible. Horrible. Uh, and then I finally got my appetite back on, on that bus journey towards the end. And like, uh, if you've ever been on a bus in India, then uh, there's people uh, that come to the window and they, they oh, they, no, they come on the bus, that's it. And they, they, they're selling crisps or, or whatever, you know. And uh, I finally got my appetite back after days and days. And, um, and I was like, yeah, I'll have a, have a little pack of crisps, yeah. That's, that's right what I need. Obviously, I need a drink of water, but pack of crisps. <laughs> it's the opposite, but it's fine. Um, so I had this pack of crisps, right? Now, there's one, there's one food item that I think is 
absolutely horrible, more horrible than the rest. Some people agree with me wholeheartedly. Some people completely disagree with me. Uh, and that food item, I can't remember the name in English. So there you go. Uh, anyway, if you're in, no. Uh, <laughs> it's Quen, uh, uh, I can't even remember it in Portuguese now. What is it? I can, I can see the leaf. Quentra? Um, it's something like Quentra. Um, coriander. Coriander. Uh, that's in England English. Oh, God. American English. Coriander is... Uh, it's got a weird name. Uh, not arugula. That's rocket. Uh, what's coriander in American? I don't know why I'm asking. I don't know why I'm shouting at you. You can't hear me. Well, you can hear me, but you can't respond. Uh, coriander is... I'm going to have to look this up, aren't I? Coriander. No, I can get this. We're still on the intro. Come on, man. Right, this is me walking through my house. Coriander. Oh, I feel like I can get it. No, I'm just going to look it up. Coriander. Cori... Never typed coriander before. There we are. Cilantro. I knew that. I knew that. Um, anyway, so I hate it. Right? And... Uh, and I bought these pack of crisps. And obviously, you know where this is going. You know, the pack of crisps were coriander flavor. And I've never seen before or since <laughs> a pack of coriander flavored crisps, man. I think they were walkers as well. Lays if you're in the States. Um, yeah. So I think that was the gods playing a trick on me, you know. Ah, you haven't eaten for days. There's, there's nothing you want more than to be able to eat and drink and sustain your own life. Have some coriander crisps. Ah. Uh, I don't know what I did to deserve that. But there you go. I've angered them. Uh, <laughs> so that's St. Petersburg. If you're in <laughs> uh, Manila, the Philippines. Manilapines. No? No. Uh, what is it, 12,000 islands in the Philippines? Does that sound right? Is it 12,000 or 2,000? I'm not going to look it up. I'm not going to look it up. There are many islands. I'm sure there's 12,000. I had a girlfriend from there. Uh, she was from Bustos, uh, which is a hilarious word, obviously. Um, Bulacan, which is also quite a funny word. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I had a missus from there, from the Philippines. She wasn't from Manila. As I said, she was from Bustos. <laughs> um, her name was Nikki, and I realized that I've been... Uh, what's the word? I've, uh, when you're a teenager, you say, I've been out with. They, they were my girlfriend. I've had girlfriends. A lot of... No? Okay, come on. Let's phrase this properly. Um, quite a... F no. It's a few... Hmm. <laughs> uh, not an insignificant number of my past girlfriends had the name Nikki. There we go. That's the way to say that sentence. <laughs> I was thinking about it the other week or something. There was Nikki. There was another Nikki. There was a uh, Nicola. There was a Nicole. And a Nicole with a K. So, yeah. Uh, anyway, what was I saying? Manila, yeah. Then I would invite you to join me. Oh, man. 
that was long. Uh, then I want to invite you to join me. I am in the same place. Uh, I'm in Rio de Janeiro. Uh, <laughs> that reminds me, there's this hilarious thing. I find it hilarious. The hilarious thing that I do. Um, it, like, it's... You, okay. Do you know how uh, hilariously funny it is to embarrass your other half, right? Everyone, that, that's like everyone's favorite pastime. You know what I mean? So, a lot of fun, that is. So, uh, uh, so yeah, there's this thing that I do where um, <laughs> we'll be out and about or, or something like that. And because I'm, I'm exceedingly white, you know, Mr. Kipling would, would describe me as exceedingly white. And uh, <laughs> such an odd reference. And, uh, and so when we're out, I like to put on an incredibly gringo accent. It's just the most fun. Like, honestly, I can't, I can't tell you how much. Oh, here we go. There's a, a book in Portuguese here. This is going to be more fun for the Brazilians, admittedly. Uh, but there's a book here. It's Colossal Anthropologia. Uh, it's by Clifford Gates, who actually doesn't sound uh, incredibly Brazilian. O um, saber local novos <laughs> ensaios em antropologia interpretativa. That's, it's actually really difficult to do. <laughs> it's incredibly difficult to do. Uh, but yeah, saber local. It's, it's weird because it's much easier to just say the words in a, in a Brazilian accent. Uh, yeah. But anyway, that's the most hilarious thing to do for me. She hates it because it just looks like she's just married this gringo. Oh, it's fun. Anyway, what was I saying? Uh, I'd invite you to join me. I'm in Rio. Rio de Janeiro, as I said. And um, I'm in Copacabana. And uh, <laughs> in my apartamento... <laughs> Okay, that's enough now. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I would invite you to join me, as I have just said. Uh, I wasn't here last week. I was here, but I wasn't here in your ears um, because things happened and I have a child, and I'm sorry. Uh, yes, I'm already using him as an excuse. Uh, that is what's happening. That is what is happening. Uh, <laughs> but this week is a bit different. Uh, so uh, I have, and I shouldn't be... I shouldn't have been talking for this long anyway because I have an hour I have an hour's interview or chat really uh to put into this episode. So basically this episode uh the other day I said how I was on the uh Cafecito Travel Talks Cafecito Travel Talks <laughs> uh podcast. Uh and when we did that we also recorded for this podcast because uh we did that one right and, uh, and Tony is a legend. And, uh, and I realized through talking at him that he's the most interesting person ever. And so I was like, okay, well, this seems like an opportunity to have the most interesting person ever on the show. Uh, so I did. It's my first interview in an incredibly long time. It's not really an interview. It kind of is. But like I was saying to him afterwards, it's, I'm not very good at interviews. I'm also not very, I'm, I'm not that good at, at chats when we're not together, you know? Um, and also, I don't know, it's just weird. Like, I can talk to someone, but as soon as you hit record and it's for the podcast, immediately I try to turn into, oh, can't think of an interviewer, Parkinson. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> or whoever the uh, American equivalent of Parkinson is. Um, yeah, I, I don't know why, 
but like if the record button's not on I'm like Tony how you going mate but then as soon as as soon as it's on I'm like now tell me how that made you feel uh, when you did it seems to me you know, you know it's like I don't know why I do this so but now what I've done is I've coloured your 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 uh, your listening of it now. Now, when you listen to it, you're going to be hearing me going. Now, what I'm hearing from you, Tony, is that you know you're going to be hearing that now because I've said that. It's like when you read like a terrible review of a movie and then you go to see the movie, you can't help but think of the review. Or if someone's recommended a book to you, as you read through the book, the entire way through the book, you see their face, you know, <laughs> and you're thinking of them. There, there, you've coloured it with them. So, yeah, I've done that. And I can't take it away. I could take it away. I could edit it out. I'm not going to. We don't edit, you know. Although, having said that, um, this, uh, this, I had to do some uh, kind of editing. It's kind of mixing. It's, a, it's, it's kind of both. But it's like I recorded my bit uh, like I'm doing now. And then we had a Zoom call. How amazing is it that Zoom has caught on? Like, uh, we were using Zoom way back when in the podcast industry. But now, like... You know how you Google something, now you Zoom someone. It's amazing, isn't it? It's replaced Skype. Anyway, which is good because the only redeeming feature of Skype was the, um, was the ring. Really good. Uh, <laughs> Zoom doesn't have a, a ringtone. Shame. That is a really good. Really good. Sing that all day. Uh, as I said, yeah, yeah, that was it. And um, so on the Zoom call, uh, it recorded both of us. And uh, honestly, we tell our clients to to press this button, and I didn't press the button because I'm a terrible person. And so um, I had to replace all my bits in the Zoom call with my local bits. I don't know why you need to know this. It's just if something sounds weird, that's why. Now you're going to listen to it, listening out for this. What have I done? All right. <laughs> so anyway, uh, in fact, before. Should we do that before? Nah, we'll do it afterwards. Okay, so tell you what we'll do. We'll go into the, I don't want to say interview, it's a chat, but Tony's the most interesting person ever. So we'll go into the chat now-ish. <laughs> and then afterwards, I'm going to come back and then we're going to do some questions. If you want to send in questions, it's Instagram at Backpack Digital. Uh, have fun listening to this uh, interview, chat. <laughs> See, I don't want to call it an interview. I don't do interviews. Anyway. Um, what else do you need to know? It's about it for the intro, isn't it? I mean, this is a 15-minute intro, so I haven't really said anything of any value either. I've sung the Skype theme tune. I've looked up the word cilantro. So there, <laughs> so there you go. There you go. Anyway, uh, I'll meet you around the back. Uh, and um, Yeah, I'll meet you around the back, and we'll, we'll do some questions, eh? All right. Enjoy this. <laughs> Speak to you soon. Round the back. Let's begin, I suppose. I'm never good at beginning or ending, you know? I, I, like saying hello and saying bye. Everything in the middle I can do. The book ending I can't really do. So, Tony, how's it going? I suppose I'll, I'll intro you before we go into this so people will kind of roughly know. I guess people have to know what's going on. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I'll intro you before we go into this uh, when I do the episode. Uh, but yeah. How's it going? Where are you? And uh, what are you doing? <laughs> Where am I? What am I doing? Well, at this current <laughs> moment, I'm in Cuenca, Ecuador, uh, which is a city on the southern, southern part of Ecuador. Um, and it's also quite famous because it's known, it was promoted 
four years in a row is the best place to retire, but I'm not ready to retire yet. <laughs> no way. Four years in a row. That's, that's pretty decent. That's like Melbourne is, I think it's like the six years running or something was the most livable city or something. Exactly. Things like that. So there is, um, there's quite a, a bit of a, between Americans and well, Americans mostly. And then there's a few other uh, nationalities of people that are older here that are retired, but it's a nice little city uh, to live in. And I run a hostel here and the hostel is actually, it's been 20 years since I've been running the hostel and but I haven't lived in Cuenca for 20 years. I had another hostel in Quito for a while. I was, it was, they were both in existence and also in Bogota. So I had three hostels at one point, oh, wow. but recently I've scaled down and I'm only with the one in Cuenca. No way. That's uh I love that you're you're scaling down to a lot of people's dream. That's great. <laughs> That's beautiful. <laughs> so you uh, you're not from uh, obviously. I don't think any of these places, right? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, well, here, here's here's that magical question. Where are you from, Tony? So it's it's quite interesting <laughs> yeah. because since I work in a hostel, people show up every day and they say to me, "Where are you from?" And then mm -hmm. when I choose one place and I tell them, okay, I'm from Canada. And then they'll say a few minutes later, somebody will say something about Canada. And I'm like, I have no idea. And they're like, but you said you're from Canada. And I said, yes, I am from Canada, but I've only lived in Canada eight years of my life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. My mother's Jamaican and my father's English. So my father's from Manchester uh, and my no mother's from, from Jamaica. How did we not talk about this already? How That's did amazing. we not talk about this already? <laughs> because on the when we spoke before, I was interviewing you. So uh, <laughs> now, that that's you're it. now that you're interviewing me, now this is a different story. <laughs> that's so, true. So, that's the, true. So, so the magical thing that always comes up, it's like, and so people, then they get really confused and they, because what people want, they want you to give them a very short and quick explanation. They don't want mm -hmm. to, for you to tell them that by the time you finish high school, you had lived in five different countries and <laughs> that you all together in your life, you've lived in. Um, and when I say lived in, I'm only counting the countries that I've spent a year or more. So mm. I've lived in seven different countries altogether. And Ecuador is actually the country where I've lived the longest in my life. So I've lived in Ecuador now for 20 years. A little, over, a little bit over 20 years. And that's the mm -hmm. country I've lived the longest. And so my longest address I've ever held has been here in Ecuador. Um, oh, however, man. as you can hear by my voice, <laughs> um, well, no, maybe you can't hear by my voice because I'm not speaking Spanish, but <laughs> okay. um, <laughs> I still, it's, it's a mix match at the end of the day. That's interesting because it's like, it's incredibly hard to pigeonhole someone. Not that you should pigeonhole people, but it's incredibly hard to do that when they're from so many different places, you know? <laughs> well, it's, it, it's quite... We, we have here at the hostel, when the hostel is functioning, it's right now because of the coronavirus thing, I'm sitting in an empty hostel, but normally we would have these group dinners. And so every time we sit around at the group dinners to, to talk and, you know, the first question when you walk into a hostel is, hey, what's your name? Where are you from? And so sometimes depending on my mood, like I'll say, I'll say I'm Ecuadorian and because I've lived here long enough as an adult, I've, it's the only country I've ever voted in. So I, I'm a complete resident here. So I vote here and I've never voted in, in, in any of the countries that I have nationality. So I'm Canadian, Jamaican, 
British by um, by nationalities. Okay. However, when I was 18, I moved to New York by myself, and then ended up working in a bank of all things. So I got to, I got to New York, and somehow I stumbled into this career of being a banker. And I literally stumbled into it because I had no idea what a what a what a bank was or a bank structure or anything like that. Um, someone said to me, "Okay, so now I'm rambling." Okay, so I got to New York, <laughs> and I needed to find a, uh, an apartment. And I, there was something back then, and I think it might still exist. Maybe they now have it on the internet, uh, and it's called Roommate Finders. And the way Roommate Finders work, you go in, and you they give they had these cards and you choose based on different things, different people that you could, you could live with. So I mm. moved in with these three guys that two of them were actors, typical New York city. One of them was a waiter in a restaurant. Um, and basically when I paid my first and last month rent to them, um, they said to me, so, how are you going to work? They didn't ask me until I <laughs> gave them the, the first <laughs> last month rent. And they said, well, how are you going to continue to support yourself? And I said, I don't know. I have to look for a job. And one of them looked in the newspaper and said, look, uh, Chase Manhattan Bank. I'm not sure I should say the name of the bank, but anyhow, <laughs> Chase Manhattan <laughs> Bank is having an open house tomorrow. And um, this is Sunday night. And I thought, okay, well, why not? I have nothing else to do. I had no idea what an open house was. And the Americans that are listening to us might understand that the large corporations have these things where they just do like a cattle call and you go in. And so I went in at nine o'clock in the morning, left at three o'clock in the afternoon to be told that I actually qualified for an entry level, an entry level training program. And so the bank actually trained me for three months. Um, and each week we would study a different area of the bank. And if you pass the test, then you go, you come back the next week. If you don't pass, you're out. <laughs> and it was simple <laughs> as that. And so I went through different stages. And it was really interesting because it, not knowing that I had this in me, it was something that I actually really did enjoy. And I really did um, apply and learn quite well and was moving up in different stages of the bank. And so I remember... One of my last positions that I had at the bank, I was in trust and estates. So I became a trust and estate administrator. And what does that mean? So I was working in the area of private banking, which meant that the only way that you could come up to my floor, I was on the 30, 35th floor of Rockefeller Center. And the only way you could get up to that floor is if you had a million point five dollars to invest in the bank or more. <laughs> so it wasn't, it wasn't just like a small, like people, when they yeah. think of banks, they think if you walk in and there's a teller's on one side. Yeah, your local bank, yeah. The bank manager's on the other side. <laughs> now, we, we were up on the, in the Rockefeller Center. And um, so I remember the first weeks that I got there, um, and this is, this is a process of time. This is about maybe two or three years after I started working in the bank, moving up, moving up, moving up uh, a process. And at the same time, I was also studying, which the bank was paying for my studies to, to study. I have a degree in international banking. And <laughs> when I first got into private banking, I remember 
I would have to stay a bit later to continue doing some of my work because obviously you're new and you don't know all the different things that you have to do. And there was one night when everyone had basically left the floor. There was about 30, yeah, 30 something people that worked in my department and everyone had left and I was the last person there and I was looking out the window uh, over at Rockefeller Center in New York City and I could see all the lights and everything, all the glamour. And it was obviously, it's one of these windows that you can't open. And there's a reason for that. <laughs> because I was looking out the window when I first got there and I thought, oh my gosh, do you think they're going to find out that I'm a fraud? Do you really, do you think that somebody's going to catch on to this and say, what are you doing here? You shouldn't be here. And, and I, was, yeah. I was later told that this is a real thing, that people will go through these phases and they think, that they end up in positions where they weren't supposed to end up in and mm-hmm. that they, they, they think that um, th- th- they have this mindset that, okay, this is going to, people, people are going to catch them and find out that they really should not belong here. So mm-hmm. I, got, I got over that and I was like, okay, this is, this is, after a while, I sort of settled in and I worked in that position for three years. I was there as a trust and, uh, trust and estate officer uh, and uh, administrator. And really, I think I did a good job. I really enjoyed uh, what I was doing and what happened and really honestly enjoyed it. But at the same time, there was something in the back of my head going is this it? Is this what I'm supposed to be doing? As you were saying about this is my destiny. And I thought, oh my gosh, this is, this is, and I remember literally maybe three, exactly three years later, going back to that same window, looking at the window, looking out going, maybe if I jump, that will be just a good way for me to get out of here because this is not where I want to be. I don't want, I feel like I need to go somewhere out there. I'm looking at all the lights going, this is not where, this is not it. I, I'm enjoying it, but how do I get off of this? How do I get out of this? And so I started thinking about, okay, what should I do? How could I get out of here? And what became of that was like, how do I explain to my mother was, uh, oh, <laughs> was, I, I'll tell you about my mother in a second. But um, so I decided, okay, I'm, I needed a way to, to my, my exit plan. And so my exit plan was since I was still studying um, and the, the university, through the university, there was an option to do an exchange program. And normally, since I'm working full time and also studying at the t- same time, it's difficult to do an exchange program. So I decided to quit the bank and do the exchange program. And when I quit, I told people, oh, I might be coming back in a, in a year or so, but I'm going to go and follow my dream and do this exchange program and then uh, finish my degree. And so, but I knew in the back of my mind that when I signed up for the exchange program, that this was probably going to be my escape. So I came on an exchange program to uh, Quito, Ecuador, uh, where I went to, I signed up for the, the one-year exchange program at the university. And basically after six months, no, not six months, it's a lie, after, so from September to December. So I was in the program doing everything that I was supposed to be doing. And in January, I left the program and went to, to be a substitute teacher at a school. And that was fun. And I was making a lot of money doing that. 
And but when the school year ended, I thought, is this what I really this is not it. This is I didn't come to <laughs> to, to Latin America to be teaching because I was teaching mathematics, but in English. And so it's a bilingual school where the kids all learn in English. And I was like, okay, so I'm here now almost a year and I'm not speaking Spanish. I'm I'm just speaking in English all day long. My roommates are all English speakers. And then what happened was, and of course, everybody always says, so a girl comes into the picture. <laughs> and I <laughs> said to always, her, yeah, that's okay, it, yeah. so I really don't, I want to do something where I'm going to be learning Spanish. I want to do something where um, I'm going to be working with the local community or somehow a shape or form. And she said to me, you're always complaining that there's not a cafe that you like. So why don't you open a cafe. And so that's when I opened a small little cafe called El Cafecito. And then I, well, I, sorry, I looked, I decided to open a cafe called El Cafecito. And when I went to open the, at the location, which I wanted to rent, just a small shop front location, um, they actually turned the, the deal around on me. So I was going to offer to pay a certain amount. And then they decided to increase the amount a week before I moved into the building. And mm -hmm. so I was now stressed about, okay, what am I going to do? And walked away from that building, went around the corner. And around the corner, there was a house that said for rent. And I looked at it and I thought, oh, it has a really nice garden. And I'm already an apartment somewhere else with two other people. So maybe we could move over here the top floor could be my apartment and downstairs could be the cafe. And I mentioned it to my roommates and they're like, oh, that's a great idea. So we moved in, the downstairs is the cafe, the top floor was our apartment. And then after a while, they decided to move out. And so somebody said to me, well, instead of looking for roommates, since you always have so many people hanging out anyhow at, at the upstairs, it's just like a hostel. Maybe you should turn it into a hostel. And that's how the hostel started. And then 20 something years later, I'm still here. <laughs> okay. So crazy. I just went off on a, on a rampage. But <laughs> you can cut away what you don't need from there. <laughs> uh, we don't cut, man. We don't. <laughs> man, I love it. It's a lot to get your head around because it's someone, it's someone somewhere where it's a lot of people's dream, right? Working at the 35th floor, was it, of the Rockefeller? Um, <laughs> That's a, a hell of a lot of people's dream. And you were there unfulfilled. And, and, all, this, and all the suit and ties. I, I think what another interesting part when I think about it sometimes is that as an 18-year-old when I started, my suit that I had on my first days of work was actually uh, cost basically $100. Like my whole outfit, suit, shoes, mm -hmm. everything, like not just the suit, maybe was the most $100. <laughs> on my last day of work, my I was wearing a thousand dollar suit. <laughs> That's uh, the suit is a metaphor, isn't it? You know, <laughs> but in this case, uh, it's weird, man. So you said then when you think about it sometimes. So here's a question: When you do think about it sometimes, like, do you ever think about? Um, in fact, you, you probably have the answer to this. If you would have stayed on that journey, and I'm sure you've been asked this before, right now. Today, what would you be doing? How would you be feeling? Where would you be living? What would your, what would your life be like? That's, that's, a, that's an interesting question. If I was to stay on that journey, I would probably still be in New York City working as a bank. But it was such a scary feeling that 
that sometimes I don't think about what it would be like to be on that journey because <laughs> it was, I felt like I was on like in a conveyor belt and it mm. was things, things started to move really fast and really quickly. I kept learning and I kept getting promoted. And as I saw in, actually another thing that really sparked me one day was there was a two, two situations that sparked me. Number one, there was a gentleman who I looked up to a lot and he taught me a lot in, in the bank. And I remember I was in, by that point, by the time I got to private banking, I was only like 22 years old. And he was, re- he was retiring and he basically, everyone had this really nice retirement party for him. It was really, we had a great time. He had been in the bank for 30 something years, maybe even up to 40 years. And it was all wonderful. And they had this wonderful retirement party with a gold watch. And then I remember literally about a month later, he came back to visit and everyone was like, hello, hello. And everybody ran to their desk because they had work to do and they didn't have time for him. And he just, he just was floating around the area, like trying to go from one office to another to say hello to people. And no one really had time for him. It was like, okay, your time here is done. You're, and, and I remember when I went to get the elevator to leave, he was also getting the elevator to leave. And he had a look on his face like, okay, this is, this is it. There's, no, there's nothing more to it. And so that was him. And then there was another gentleman who was getting close to retirement age who one day, they, uh, and he was a senior officer, and somebody walked into his office and found him dead on, the, on his desk. So anyway. my thought was, okay, what's going to happen? I'm either going to be the one who's retired and no one could care less anymore, you're done with, or you have to die here and then you're just dead and you're done. So I saw that as, okay, this is not, this is not my destiny. This is not where I want to, mm-hmm. to be. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's something that we that we've been talking about today. Uh, the I, I suppose your it wouldn't be your I don't know it kind of would be your default destiny. That's that's the, what I've been calling it anyway. But like if you did nothing to steer yourself away from it, where would you be? Type of thing. But um, it brings you on to another thing of like normally when we're when we're in those positions, it takes us a little while to get off that path, even though we know we have to. So for example, if you're going down a river. And you're floating down a river, which I have been, uh, and you're and you're you're just you're caught in the current, and maybe you know you have to get to shore. Maybe you know you have to start swimming against the current to get to shore, and you know you have to do that. But it's incredibly diff- difficult to start. It's incredibly difficult to start because you know it's going to be difficult, and you might not, you might not even make it. And then you've used all that energy, and then you have to just be taken down the river. You know. So how long did it take before uh, between? Uh, between, hmm, I don't know whether this is right. I think I want to go a different way with my life. And I'm going to cut you off because I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, know exactly, yeah. I know exactly what you mean. There's, it took me almost a year. A year, okay. Yeah, it really, I, I, when I started first having the feeling like this is not it, I really mm-hmm. had to think about, I was thinking about, okay, well, if this is not it, well, what is it? Like, Mm -hmm. what is it? Um, And I played around with different, um, different things in my mind. Um, It was, it was it a different country? Was it staying in New York and maybe trying a whole different career? Uh, Maybe the, 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 what 
it was was not the was not clear at first when I first started thinking about it. And then there was obviously moments where I was like, okay, no, you have to take that out of your mind. You're just you're just imagining it. So <laughs> I would sort of distract myself for a while and then it will come back into my brain again after a while. So it was there were definitely moments where I'm like maybe so, so it wasn't like I was spending a whole year trying to plan what it is. There was there was a situation where maybe for about three months that little voice in the back of my head went to sleep, kept quiet. And all of a sudden, one day I'm in the subway and somebody pushes me and I'm like, oh, this is definitely not where I want to be. And that voice reappears again going, OK, you have to get out of this. This is not this is not you. So I'm one of those people like when you hear about New York, New York's one of those places that people go to find their dreams. And there are certain people who go there and they find their dreams. And I definitely think that it was a great and I, I'm so fortunate that I had that experience but I also knew that this is not where I was going to be for the rest of my life. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. See, it's, yeah, it's really interesting because a lot of the times we know what it is that we don't want, but how do you jump into the abyss? How do you jump into the abyss of, oh, I don't know what it is that I do want, so, but I know I don't want this, so I know I have to jump, but if I jump, where am I gonna land? I don't even know, it might be worse. It could be way worse, but I think, I think you can design it. This is this is the way I'm looking at it, man. I, I think that there is you could definitely you could definitely design. And what I've learned throughout these years, my experiences, is that I I decided that you have to start to think of the feeling. It's like sometimes you might not you not it's, it might not be me saying I'm going to go to Ecuador and start a hostel. What I wanted was a feeling of being a finding a place where I knew first of all that because of my international background and because I, I didn't really fit just one mold. So I couldn't imagine myself, even if I decided tomorrow to not continue in the hostel, I can never imagine myself just being in one little village and staying in this one village with just everyone, just being in a unicultural environment. So I knew that I needed an international environment. So your body starts to tell you different parts. And then when you start to put those parts together, I think certain things will appear for you. Does that make sense, what I just said? Absolutely. Absolutely, man. It's like you know what it is that you want to go towards, you know? It's, it's kind of an abyss in the way that, like, you don't know where you'll be or what you'll be doing or anything like that. But you kind of know the, what would the word be? You know the flavor of the abyss, you know? You know at least you're going to enjoy the flavor of it, <laughs> regardless of where you are, as long as you're heading towards that thing, which, which you know is right then, yeah, that makes complete sense, man. That makes complete sense. I love it. I almost feel like there's like a group out there and they're calling and, and the voices are calling you to come towards. And then when you mm -hmm. finally get there, you're like, oh, we've been waiting for you. And sometimes <laughs> I'm like, oh, yeah. how'd you know that I was coming? And I'm like, oh, yeah, we knew all along. <laughs> That's so it, man. Rumi was right all those years ago. Uh, man, yeah, absolutely. And so when did you feel like, okay, I have now made the transition and I'm happy with my choice. Because I, I imagine for a part of that, it was a transitional period. Oh, okay, I'm moving to, okay, I'm still, I'm being a teacher. It's not really what I want to do. Okay, I'm getting this, uh, getting this cafe. So I've opened the cafe. Uh, am I there yet? Or was it when you opened the hostel, when you opened the cafe? At what point did you feel I've arrived? Or have you ever felt that? Or is that something that people even feel? <laughs> Wow, that's, that's, that's a, that question sounds so simple, but at the same time so complicated. 
Okay, yeah. there, there's been definite moments where I'm feeling, okay, this is it. I'm on my game. And the moments I feel that this is it, I'm on my game. Like there, there are definitely times, for example, one of the things I used to do uh, in the cafe when the cafe was really busy, um, I would sit in the corner somewhere in the cafe and I would watch the, the customers come in and out. I'd watch the waiters. And so sometimes the music is just right. The way the the service staff, every the staff are, are basically they're doing what they're supposed to be doing. Everything is just on par. Everything is perfect. And I would sit there in the corner and I would just go, wow. And I would look around and it doesn't. And so sometimes people, they had no idea who I was. I didn't stand there with a big sign that says I'm the owner manager. I would just sit there and I would go, wow. And I just, just this thought that I somehow put all this together would give me such a great high and that I would just have this big smile on my face. And I'm like, this is it. This is it. And I would see people leaving that they were content with their service and everything. And I'm like, this is it. And, and so once in a while I thought somebody's probably going, who's that weird man in the corner with the big smile on his face. (laughs) But um, that was me. I was that weird man in the corner with big smile on my face. And then later on when I scaled down, to not because things operations then got bigger and things got bigger and at one point I was dealing with 60 staff members I know it sounds crazy (laughs) that is quite a lot (laughs) (laughs) But, but it became like this big operations and then everything scaled all the way down to literally all the way down to to three staff members. This is at the location here where I am currently in Cuenca. And I started to do what we call group dinners. So instead of having the cafe open to the public, it was only the people in the hostel. And we would do this one set dinner and we'd have everyone sit down. And also this has to do with time and one how one matures and how one sees themselves in different phases of their lives. So I would sit down and have these group dinners. And at our group dinners, we would have um, people just talk, just, just, we'll talk about different issues and different things. And these group dinners, I was just learning so much about the world and about people and about different phases of why different people travel. And I thought, wow, that, that again gave me this, this feeling like, I can't believe I'm sitting here at this table with uh, maybe 14 people from all different parts of the world, all different walks. And there, this is my table, and this is. I felt so like enriched with all these different experiences these different people had, and I was just like, This is incredible! And so, that's actually how my Cafecito Travel Talks came about. So, the, the, that's actually what the name is all about. It's, so, I thought. I want to capture this feeling. I want to be able to share this feeling because I know that some of these conversations that we're having were just like so powerful and so world-class that I thought other people would want to hear these stories. And so I started, first of all, on our Facebook page um, to have, we've started some uh, written stories on the Facebook page about this. And I'm a really bad writer. I'm really good with numbers, but as far as writing a story, grammar, I speak, um, three languages fluently, but I'm really bad at spelling and grammar in all of them. <laughs> and so I, I thought, okay, well, I can get other people to write the stories. So people could write the stories about other travelers or about themselves. And so on our Facebook page, we had the Capsita Travel Talks and we started writing the, the stories. So I started trying to encourage people to write more stories. And it, 
And I thought, okay, this is not working. And there's not, I, I was hoping to get like at least one story per month. And this was just really mm. dragging on. I'm like, there's so many great stories. Why aren't people writing these stories? And so somebody said, well, maybe you need to write them yourself. And I'm like, I'm a really bad writer. And then all of a sudden, one day somebody said, a podcast. And I was like, what is a podcast? And so I started listening in and that's where you come in. So one of the <laughs> the first travel podcasts that I listened to and I thought, wow, this is it. This is somebody who is on that same brain length as, as me. So you were calling me. <laughs> and when I listened to your travel stories, I was just like, the first day I listened, I went to bed. I said it was about three o'clock that morning. I listened to like five different, sh- the first five all all in a row. So I first listened to one and I was like, no, no, no. I have to go back and listen to the first one. So I went from number one in order. And I remember just like binge listening to these for the, the first 48 hours. And I was obviously I was being so distracted from everything else that I was doing. I'm like, that's it, you know? And I, I you know, I really liked your style and I write like the way you put it all together. And I thought, okay, it's similar to that, but it's also a bit different. So 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 there's room for two, <laughs> I thought in my mind. Yeah, but that's that's the style. My my style was and my style still is, I want people to tell their stories. I want the same stories that I sit around in the hostel on a daily basis and people are coming up to me and they're like, for example, the first one that triggered it, there was a woman that was, um, she is from, from the States. She's from Texas and she showed up and she's a complete deaf traveler, solo female deaf traveler. And people, you know, it's like they, they're afraid of traveling by themselves. They, they have all these different excuses why they cannot travel. And so when I met her, I thought, Again, if she could do it and she doesn't have an excuse, well, of course, I could start this project. I could start this podcast. I have no idea what a podcast is, but I could start one. <laughs> I have to learn how to do it, but I put in my mind, I'm going to do a podcast. And that's how mm-hmm. the the podcast came about. I love it, man. I love it. It's so it's so natural. And like you say, the voices, well, quite literally, the voices were calling you and then there you are and you've joined them. And you're asking them and they have beautiful travel stories. It all works, man. I love it. And, and listen, the stories, are you get something different out of each one, you know? I, in fact, I felt the very same thing when I was doing, uh, back in the day when we, when we were doing stories. It's that they're, they're from so many different angles, you know? And some people have so many different opinions on the same topic. And you hear one and you go, yeah, this guy's got it right. And then you talk to someone else and go, no, actually, no. No, I didn't think about that, you know, and then like every single thing has just so many different diverse ways of looking at it. No, definitely, definitely. And when you think that you've heard it all, then all of a sudden you're like, wow, here's another one. Like, for example, one of my favorite ones so far, well, on the written stories is the deaf traveler. Um, Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, she came and she did it and she's back at home. She's safe and everything. And then when I think, okay, I've got all these different stories coming I hear of a guy named Tony with my same name, and he <laughs> has traveled to 125 countries. And I thought, okay, yes, I've met a few people who have been to a lot of other countries traveling. And then I find out that he's completely blind. He's 100% blind, and he's a solo backpacker who has traveled to 125 countries uh, by himself. And so I thought, my first thought was, no, no, he's, he must be traveling with an assistant or somebody who's helping him along the way. So... Mm. 
when I actually interviewed him, I was just like, I was beyond myself. I was just like, okay, we have so many excuses of why we cannot do things. We have all these different reasons why we can't. And here's this person who has all these reasons why he can, and he is doing yeah. it. That is something you see a lot as well. Like reasons why you can't, even if it's not travel, reasons why you can't do something. But then when, as soon as you start looking at the reasons why you can, <laughs> then it starts looking a lot different. You know, it's something, um, that's something we were talking about, um, or I was thinking about actually, when you were saying about uh, moving from New York to Ecuador. And a lot of people, uh, I know because they tell me, a lot of people that listen to this are thinking about traveling in the future. And they're in a position right now, and I'm sure many of us have been there, whether it's a relationship or whether it's whatever. They're in a position, whether it's working in the 35th floor of the Rockefeller, and you're comfortable, and you think, this is fine. You know, it's not necessarily what I, do, what I want to do, but it's okay. It, it gets the job done. It gets, there's plenty of perks, you know, and we'd want to do something else, but we feel scared to do it, and, you know, we don't know how to jump into it and stuff like that. You are someone not only that has overcome that uh the the comfortability but you've overcome the comfortability of working in the 35th floor of the rockefeller probably on a decent wage i would imagine uh, and uh believe me i'm i it, it's weird to think that 20 years ago i made maybe four times more than i make currently <laughs> yeah yeah exactly yeah so but you left all that man yeah, that's another important part. Is, is, it's, it's not necessarily how much money you make. That was another thing I learned in Ecuador. Yeah. Um, because at the same time, when I was in New York City, I was making quite a bit of money, but I was also spending quite a bit of money. So mm. I remember going away to a ski weekend in Aspen, and my bargain deal for I left on Friday night, came back on Sunday night, and my bargain deal only cost me $3,000. And yeah. now that I run a hostel where people spend $10 a night to stay in the hostel, I'm like going for $3,000, I could travel easily, easily for three months in South America and get much, a much better deal than a two-night stay in, in uh, skiing in Aspen. And so... Uh, quick question. Sorry to derail you. But uh, on, one of my, on the last episode... Because I start every episode with, if you're in this place, and I said Aspen, and I still don't know. Is it in Colorado? Is it in Alaska? I know it's somewhere cold. Where is Aspen? <laughs> it's Colorado. I was listening oh, to that yes. and I was laughing. <laughs> oh, I totally got it right. Why did I think it was Alaska? Because since I had been there, I was like, I was really just laughing. I was like, okay, is he really being serious? Or is he... <laughs> but at the same time, not everybody who's lived in the US and know these things. Exactly. So, exactly. so it was, it was definitely, and I was, and I was, I was laughing so much because that's exactly where I'd been. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. I imagine, I imagine that. Yeah. <laughs> and, then, and another thing about me rambling. Okay, um, one of the other things I think was really interesting. I said I would mention my mother in a second, but when I, so, you know, one of the things about leaving where you are, you have friends and family members that they they support you. You you think these are the people that you look up to, they're the people that are supporting you. And then when you start to tell them that you want to do these things that are going to take you off this course, then sometimes it really freaks them out and they don't know what to do. And sometimes that's what also causes for people not to do certain things. So when I told my mother after I was, after, so I've been a year in Ecuador and I decided to open the hostel and I told my mother that, um, I said, mom, I'm going to stay in Ecuador for a bit longer. I don't know how much longer, but I'm going to open a, 
I'm going to open a, a, it's a cafe hostel. And I'm going to stay. I'm going to do this. And then she said to me, well, what should I tell, what should I tell people? <laughs> you're leaving <laughs> the bank. You're not going into banking anymore. What should I tell them? And I said, tell them that I left the bank and I opened a cafe and a hostel. <laughs> See, I love that, but I, I doubt that. Did she not love that? Or <laughs> I love that as a sentence. <laughs> okay, so so twenty years later, she's still asking me when I'm going to give this up. <laughs> that's beautiful. Oh man, that's and if, you know. What, have you ever thought about going back into banking? Because this is something <laughs> yeah. tangible that she could tell people. So when yeah. mothers tell people about their sons and daughters, and you could say you're a doctor, you're a lawyer, you're a banker, uh, this is something that is very tangible, and this is what you you say to each other when you meet at I don't know at a coffee shop or somewhere, or at church or yeah. wherever you meet you meet up, uh, and it's something to say. But then all of a sudden, she didn't have in her mind this vision of my son has gone off to Ecuador to open a cafe hostel. This doesn't match. And so because it doesn't match in her mind, she doesn't know what then to tell others. Mm, and yeah, that makes what sense. I say to people about that, and I get that a lot from when I, with the travelers that come through, they ask me this all the time. I said, you have to love your family members. You have to love your friends but you also have to love yourself and you have to say, okay, if this is what I want to do, this is what I need to do. And at some point it'll come back around. And during COVID it's actually been one of these times where I've actually come closer again to my mother. We've had time to talk and, but it really, it really is that you, you have to live what is your life. Uh, you still love them. And it doesn't matter. Like every so often I'll meet somebody who comes from these really, um, I, the first example that comes into my mind, I met this girl that was from somewhere in middle USA uh, where, you know, everybody drives a pickup truck and they had the gun in the back and so forth. And she <laughs> says, you know, I feel so bad leaving these people behind. But, you know, this is and I said, don't feel bad. You still love them. You still love them for who they are. Love them for what you've learned from them. Uh, love them for the, the experiences you had, because those experiences you're still going to, whatever you've learned along the way, you still use that to go into your next phase. So regardless of you might not see your life going the same way their life is going, but you still learn things from them. Yes, absolutely, man. And like you've answered a question that, uh, that I was thinking was uh, because, you've, because you've moved from uh, obviously somewhere that is a lot of people's dream to somewhere else, which must be incredibly difficult. What I was going to say, what is, what's one thing you could tell people in a position similar? And I think you hit the nail on the head, man. You, you can love your family, you can, uh, and everything, your friends and, and your life and all of the people that are your, uh, your peers, you can, you can love all of that, but you have to love yourself as well. You can't just live for everyone else. You know, whatever you want to do, it isn't not important. Whatever you want to do isn't not important, you know? So, yeah. I don't know. Your whole story is really, really interesting to me because it's like, if you take the, ah, uh, I'm, I'm, well, if you take this to like my story, for example, uh, being in a place with vans and tradesmen and being a painter and decorator, that's what I, that's what my life should be. That's my default destiny. But then I'm, now I'm traveling, living in Brazil, whatever, right? But if you put that on steroids, right, it's, it's living a lot of people's dream, which is, like I said, but, you know, being in the thing. 
and then and then moving out to Ecuador. That's that on steroids. So that's why I find it so interesting, you know, because I love going to those extremes of things to try and find the answers there to then take to the lesser extremes, you know. So that's yeah, that's why I find it super interesting, man. And here's a quick question, right? Being Jamaican English, being raised in Canada, what accent did you have up until the age of 18? <laughs> I can't figure it out. Was it just Canadian or? No, because that was only eight years. Hmm. Well, uh, <laughs> my accent changed at different times based on different things. So basically, <laughs> it, it, again, it's a, lo- it's a long story. So the, the, the quick brief story is that I started off with an English accent um, because we're in England until I was seven years old. Uh, then I was then we're in um, I was in France for a year. Uh, then I lived. In, I went back to to Jamaica, where I was living there for three years. And when I was twelve or thirteen, I got sent to Canada. Um, and I when I got to school in Canada. I, so in Jamaica, people would make fun of my accent. When I got back, to, when I got to Canada, I had then ha- developed a Jamaican accent, and they would call <laughs> yeah. me Coconut. So I was at a school where there there was no other Jamaicans, and um, now there's a big Jamaican community in Toronto. But I was outside of Toronto. I was I'm, I'm I, I say I'm from Ottawa, but I got to Ottawa as a teenager, um, and at the time there was not a big Jamaican community. So I then had to get my can I developed a Canadian accent at that point accent at that point and when I got to and then I also because I speak uh, English and French at that point I spoke English and French um, and Ottawa is the most bilingual city in Canada blah 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 and so when I got to New York I guess I got to New York with a mixed match of, of accents and then I started to develop in wor- American words um, but at the same time it, it depends sometimes I'm talking with someone and they say to me I don't get it. Your your voice changes as you're talking to me, and I'm like, well, I'm not aware of that. <laughs> or, <laughs> or my mother might call me on the phone, and because I'm talking to her, and she speaks with a strong Jamaican accent, or she speaks patois. So sometimes we speak patois to each other. Uh, she speaks it more than I do, and so somebody will look at me, and especially in the olden days where we used to have a phone on the wall, and I would have to speak on the phone on the wall. They'd come, they'd walk by me, and they'd say, "You're speaking some word English right now. I don't know if it's English or I don't know if it's another language." <laughs> and I'm like, "Oh, I was. I wasn't even aware that I switched." <laughs> And it's the, same, um, it's the same thing. I have one or two friends here in Ecuador that are completely bilingual. Uh, or even trilingual. I have a one friend who she speaks English, French, and Spanish. And one of the funny things we laugh about sometimes is that we could actually, we will we'll speak in a conversation and whatever comes out easier. If, if, the word, if the French word is easier to say, we'll say the French word. If the Spanish word is easier, we'll say the Spanish word. And if it's the English mm-hmm. word, we'll just say the English word. And yeah. if somebody is over here in our conversation, they're just looking with confusion. Yeah, it's, I mean, we do the same thing at home here. I'm trying to speak English all the time and she's trying to speak Portuguese all the time, but it's it's just not that, like for the baby's sake, but it's just not that simple. Like sometimes, because uh, Kat's mom is living with us at the moment and um, sometimes she'll turn to her mom and she'll say, uh, what time is it? We've got to go out to that thing later. And her mom, who doesn't speak a word of English, is just looking at her like, what? Like, it's just, this is your mom. You've, you've known her all your life. You know she doesn't speak English. But it's like, boom, English. It's so strange, man. 
Exactly. No, that's that, that's <laughs> so true. true. And and another time there is there's something that's called um and we could talk about this another time. It's called TCK transcultural kids. And mm. uh, it's something that I've done a lot of research on, and that's also another passion of mine that I maybe one day will be given presentations on TCKs. Uh, because when I learned what a TCK was, I learned a lot about myself. So if there's anyone out there that's confused, like I was, uh, when I started to learn about TCKs, it helped me to learn a lot about who I am and my my identity, uh, and that I don't need to identify as just being in one place. And so that's helped me a lot. And what your son is going to end up being is a TCK. And so we could talk about that another time. <laughs> and, there, oh, and there are different ways to, to start off with from now, because he will always be, you're going to be English, his mother's going to be Brazilian. And the question is, what am I? Yes, man. Yes. That's super, man. I am so interested in that type of stuff as well. Yeah, for him, he's, because it's weird. He's uh, he's English. He's from the from the middle of England, and he's no, Brazilian, he's, but he's from the. <laughs> what's, what's also quite interesting is that when you say that, um, fifteen or maybe, uh, you know, eighteen years from now, when you're living mm-hmm. somewhere in Germany, and he's looking at you <laughs> like, okay, I'm not English, and I'm not even Brazilian. I'm German, yeah. and you're. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you're so right. You're so right. Okay, so. Uh, what's the best way to say that then? So, okay, I'm English. There you go. Uh, and um, but his his mum's Brazilian, but she's from the north, which is very different to where he's born, and will likely grow up maybe uh, for a bit of his life, which is Rio. Uh, and yeah, it's incredibly interesting, man. Because I mean, I guess you're one thing like uh, what's the word um, in your blood and stuff, like where your parents are from and everything, but. I mean, why should that define anything? Why should that define you when it comes to culture? Because if you, it doesn't matter where your blood is from. If you were, if you grow up somewhere, you're likely to become a result of that culture more so, right? Uh, exactly. And and I don't even want to start on this road right now because there's so much I can <laughs> yeah. talk to you about. <laughs> I, go I really want to talk about it. Not now, but we will. We will. I I'm I'm more than a hundred percent willing to talk about it another time because yeah, it's something that obviously is. It's the, it's, I had to find for myself internally to understand mm-hmm. about myself and to understand yeah. why I didn't feel like I fit anywhere. That's super interesting, man. Super interesting. I bet a lot of people are in that same position as well. Oh, well yeah, obviously definitely. a lot of and, people are. And, and especially when you have parents from different cultures in different, uh, cultures in different countries, they will constantly, they will sometimes say, oh no, like for example, in a situation like yours, you... 15 years from now, I might be saying to your son, but you're English, don't do it that way. Sit up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You like fish and chips, eat them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can see that. <laughs> and, and sometimes parents are really, they're, they're confused because the things that they appreciate the most about their culture, the things that they want to pass is the most about themselves onto their children are the things that the child is going to reject. Mm, but anyhow again let's, let, let's not we, we won't go down that road i right really now. want to talk about it but yeah next time next time we're gonna to have to talk about that i've got so many questions i promise <laughs> i could go for hours on this and, and, and i've <laughs> already too. done i've already done two or three um presentations to people about tck's and about i've gotten um slides and everything to back it up <laughs> oh love it man well yeah we will have that conversation and uh, for listeners, if you want to hear that conversation, we can have that conversation on this podcast as well. So let us know if you want to hear that and we'll do that. Uh, but aside from that, 
Uh, if listeners are in uh, Ecuador, then come visit you. You're in Cuenca. We'll have all the information there. And also, if they have ears, then they can listen to your podcast, uh, which is where can everyone find that? Oh, it's called El Capacito Travel Talks. And it's on all the, the major podcast providers. Brilliant. We'll also link that all up everywhere and everything like that as well. So everyone, go over there and listen to all that. And then go to Ecuador and go, go stay there and go have some coffee and have a conversation with the guy in the corner that's smiling. <laughs> the smiley guy in the corner. <laughs> cool. It's been awesome talking to you, man. Uh, we've been talking for ages now because we're just in your podcast as well. No, it's a, it's a pleasure. And again, I'm... I'm, I would look forward to talking to you again some other time. As I said before, you know, if we were if we met each other in a hostel somewhere, I'm sure we would have been rambling on for hours or days. Together. 100%. Days, man. <laughs> it wouldn't stop. I'm going to have to come to Ecuador just so we can have a proper conversation, you know? Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, man. Well, it's been awesome talking to you. It has, and I can't wait till next time. Okay, cheers. <laughs> Right. Hello. It's me again. This is me talking to you, not Tony. This is me back being me again. Uh, I said I'd meet you round the back. This is me round the back. That's that's odd, isn't it? Um, (laughs) So I hope you enjoyed that. Isn't Tony the most interesting guy in the world? Am I wrong? I don't think I'm wrong. Uh, If you're, like I said, if you're in uh, Ecuador, then head on over to meet him. Uh, But yeah. Uh, let's see. Oh, we're going to do some questions. But I just remembered that uh, I'm going to England soon. I was going to say let's meet up, but uh, better not. Uh, <laughs> but uh, oh, check this out though. All right. I thought this was interesting. You may not, but um, <clears throat> I was looking for flights the other day because we got to get from Brazil to England, right? And uh, admittedly, it's not the best time to fly. But uh, I found the original fl- flights that I found right with, with uh, a company. And it was from Rio, stopping off in either Sao Paulo or Lisbon, uh, which neither of which are in the correct direction, and uh, and then having another flight. So there's one change, or whatever you call it, on a flight, and um, and that was on your economy with your, your three seats on the side. So we'll be sitting next to someone, which we don't necessarily really want to do, um, and with a change as well. Airports, they're not the best place to be. Even the plane, really good place. I'll tell you about that in a second as well. Uh, and so, so, and that was 450 quid for the three of us, right? Which actually is a pretty good price, to be fair, right? But then, finally, finally, I can use my British Airways points <laughs> that I've never used. I've got like a million of them. I've never used them, but I looked. And get this. Uh, oh, yeah, that other flight was like 16 hours round, uh, journey. So this flight that, uh, that I'm looking at now is, with British Airways, 11 hours Right, direct, straight there, direct. Premium economy, which means the only difference is premium economy is you got two seats on the side rather than three seats, which in this situation is ideal. Uh, and so, uh, and so, yeah, uh, two seats instead of three, so not sitting next to anyone, uh, and uh, direct uh, with points that take take the price down to three hundred and fifty. So it's a hundred quid off. And it's much better. I was so happy with that. So happy. So so much so that I'm I'm telling thousands of people. Uh, so <laughs> so there you go. Uh, that's what's happening there. Uh, oh yeah, the other thing I was I was uh, I, I like I don't talk about the the virus so much on here. Not because I'm uh, doing it on purpose. I just don't talk about it in my life much. Um, and so uh, yeah, but 
Uh, I was having a little look. What's it like on planes? Is it a bad idea? What's the air situation? I've never really like, looked into that. But then it makes a whole lot of sense that a plane is one of the safest places you can be, uh, if, aside from obviously your own home or in a box. Uh, so uh, <laughs> in planes, right? The air, you probably know this, but I didn't. The air, and I've been on a lot of planes. The air, let's start the sentence again. I'm not going to do it again. Is uh, replaced uh, with filtered, incredibly filtered air, because obviously it goes through the, the, through the jet, which is like 500 degrees or something. Uh, and, and then it comes in and it's completely filtered. It's amazing, clean air. And it's replaced every three, all of the air. <laughs> I said the air again. <laughs> in the plane is replaced every three to five minutes. How crazy is that? Like imagine being in a place, in like a room, and all of the air in it is replaced every three to five minutes with fresh, incredibly filtered air that filters out all virus. Like, it's one of the best places to be. <laughs> it's amazing. So, yeah. So uh, I, I just thought that was interesting. I just thought you might want to know that. Uh, <laughs> obviously, the airports is not the best place to be. <laughs> But in somewhere like England, it's, it's like mask central in the airports. Anyway, uh, which is good. Right, uh, questions. I did say we'd, uh, meet, I'd meet you around the back with questions, so let's do it. Uh, I say questions. They're more, more comments, I suppose. Uh, let's have a look. Let's see what we got. Right, this is from <clears throat> Jack Watson, 1996. I can't believe people were born in 1996. Uh, <laughs> don't you ever think that, like... I can't believe someone was born in 96 and they can use a phone. It's like, mate, they're... How does that make you? 24? <laughs> they're 24 years... That's insane. That's insane. Um, like my si Oh, yeah, 24. Yeah, my sister was born in 97. That's crazy. Someone that was born in the year 2000 is 20. What? I remember the year 2000 quite... I remember when it turned over to the year 2000. Oh, man, I'm sounding old now. I was only 11 in the year 2000. Isn't it weird that we say the year 2000? It's like 1998, 1999, the year 2000, 2001, 2002. <laughs> anyway, uh, what was I saying? Yeah, Jack Watson, 1996. He says, all right, mate, how's it going? It's going pretty well, thank you. It's going, yeah, it's going fairly swimmingly. Thank you. Uh, really enjoying the return of the pod. Thank you very much. A question. Ooh, it's a question. Uh, in 2019, the year 2019, I was lucky enough to travel and be abroad for six months. Uh, but recently, I've signed a full-time contract uh, with a small startup, PR, and I'm, uh, and I'm arranging, arranging to move into a flat with friends in London, and I'm really fearing, dot, 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 the script. Uh, I assume he's not talking about the band. Uh, I am really conscious of falling into a normal life. Uh, of just going into work and to pay rent over and over again until I get older and I think, uh, I don't swear on this podcast, unfortunately, I wish I had done X, Y, and Z. Uh, with a full-time job, likely office-based soon, but we've been working from home since March, and rent to pay, do you or any listeners have any tips on how to avoid the script? Cheers. Also, when you're next in London, it would be great to catch you for a few pints. A few pints? Um, I don't really drink. I'll be on my ass. Uh, if you fancy also on the script, I've planned a list of, uh, of trips to take off uh, to keep me on track, but I wonder if there's more I can do. Ah, okay, interesting. Wow, I have just been walking and reading. Okay. Wow, okay. Uh, yeah, uh, I will 
refer to my friend Sean. Uh, he's been on the podcast twice, actually. Uh, I'll refer to him uh, because he also lives in London. Oh, no, he, he recently moved. But for the last few years, actually, uh, he has been a... Uh, he was a teacher, but then he was the head of arts in like a in like a big London school. And then he was like the deputy something. He like really rose up the ranks in, in like a big school as well. So he was, yeah, he was killing it. Uh, but, and maybe this uh, helps that he, well, no, I was going to say maybe it helps that he was a teacher and they have time off in the summer and stuff like that. But he was always traveling. He went everywhere. He came to visit me in Portugal. He was, uh, I remember he said, mate, where are you going to be on March the 9th or whatever it was? I was like, I do not know. And he goes, all right, can it be Lisbon? I was like, yeah, all right, yeah. And he goes, I'll meet you there. And then he booked the flights like two minutes afterwards. I was like, I guess we're going to Lisbon then. So he was traveling all of the time. And uh, I think two things. Number one, uh, in fact, before I go to the two things, no, no, I'll come back to that. <laughs> so two things. Number one, uh, when he's doing this and he's traveling all of the time and also working, so he's spending his, his time working in London, but then he's also going and traveling. That's not the script. Like, life is what's happening to us right now. You know, it's not, it is what's happening in five years and in 10 years, but also it's happening now. So if you're living the script now, then you're living the script. If you're not, then congratulations, you're not. Um, but I understand what you're saying. It's planning for the future. So there's that. And as long as you continue to do that, you will continue to not be living the script, right? It makes sense. Uh, and the second thing is, uh, oh, what was the second thing? Oh, yeah. So when you're, when you're traveling and you're living like that, that is more fuel of your, um, that's more, more fuel for your non-script wanting life. Uh, so the more you travel and the more you meet folk living in vans and teepees and what have you, um, then, uh, yeah, that will keep you on track to be veering away from the script if that's not what you want to live. You know what I mean? Like, it's continually exposing you to the uh, alternative ways of life. Because the thing about the script is people don't know they're living the script, mostly. Uh, it's just that they haven't seen the alternative ways of life. If you take someone that's living the script, and if you don't know what we mean by the script, I think it's fairly obvious. It's the, the pre-scripted life, you know. Uh, what is the pre-scripted life? Um, it's different for different people, but uh, school, university, office, cubicle, cube. Uh, <laughs> uh, wife, husband, uh, dog, cat, kid. Uh, <laughs> uh, suit mm, hat track mm, Reno uh, <laughs> uh, Spain package uh, pub pub lunch oh I'd love a pub lunch um, <laughs> actually no I wouldn't put pub lunch in the script pub lunches are amazing uh <laughs> Okay, where are we now? We're about 30-ish. Uh, uh, saving. Oh, buy house. Uh, mortgage. Uh, better Renault. Um, SUV, potentially. Uh, promotion. Promotion, promotion, promotion. More kids. Move house. Bigger mortgage. Another promotion. Uh, grandkids. No, a bit early. Uh, 
What else is in this? Um, <laughs> uh, work. 40 hours. Uh, overtime. Overtime pay. Uh, <laughs> this is fun. I love doing this. Uh, uh, what happens then? Uh, retirement. Let's just skip to that. Uh, retirement. Holidays. Kind of. Social security. Pension. Government. Death. <laughs> <laughs> that was fun. Uh, so that's the script. It's different for different people. Um, parts of that sound lovely. Um, you know, I'm not fully against it. I am. Uh, I, I'm against the way that it's prescribed. There you go. I'm against its prescription. I'm not against the actions within it. I am, but not some of them. For example, a pub lunch. <laughs> also, nothing wrong with having kids. Uh, buying a house, uh, for the most part, is probably a pretty good investment, depending on your circumstances. There were, there's a lot of things that make sense about the script. You know what I mean? Dogs are nice, etc. cetera. Uh, anyway. The hell was I saying? Yeah. So the more you, in, uh, you, the more you interact with that life that's against the script, the more it will keep you on the track uh, to be not going down the script. You know what I mean? So that will help. Um, so that's what I'd say. I'd say... Travel when you can. And the, the thing I was going to come back to was uh, if you're in a startup and it's PR and you think it may be office, it doesn't have to be office-based. Nothing has to be office-based. Come on. It's 2020. Uh, if we've learned anything from this year, it's that we don't need offices anymore. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I've always said to my mum, mum, you need to try and, like, she's 62. She's 62. I'm like, mum, you need to, like, negotiate one day working from home. She's a, a legal secretary. Negotiate one day working from home. All you do is send emails. She's like, yeah, you know. And then this whole stuff happened in 2020, and then suddenly they're like, yeah, you can totally work from home. <laughs> you know, so it's one thing we learned. Everyone can work from home all the time. And from home means in a TP uh, in a hippie community in Spain. Uh, so, yeah. I would push hard to not work in an office, in the office, you know. And then, uh, and that, what that looks like, this is in the four-hour work week, but what that looks like is absolutely killing it working from home and then proving the results, you know? That is, that's how you do it. That's how uh, Tim Ferriss says, it, this is anyone that's in an office that thinks, hmm, maybe I could work from home. I need to just, you know, ask him in the right way. What you do is you attempt, uh, or like, for some reason you have a day off work. Either you negotiate the one day a week off work or like, uh, you say, oh, I've got a thing to do today, but I've got my laptop. With me. I mean, I've got to stay home because I've got to wait in for the postman or whatever. But, you know, I, I can still do my work. I'll do, still do that today. And then you do that one day, you work better than you've ever worked. And then, because that's all, that's all uh, management want. They just want results. They don't care where you do it. You know what I mean? So, um, as I said, yeah, so that's how you negotiate uh, coming from the office. So I would strongly recommend attempting to not be in an office so that you can then work from anywhere. That's the key to all of this is uh, working from anywhere. Because then you could travel as much as you want. It's fine, you know what I mean? And so, uh, yeah, I would strongly recommend trying to negotiate that and then travel all the time on your off time. That's it. Take two weeks here and there. Whatever, whatever it is you have to do, take two weeks here and there. And from that, that'll keep the spark alive that will light the fire of the, that will burn the first order down. There you go. 
<laughs> uh, thank you for your question. <laughs> uh, this one is from uh, Stanley with an umlaut, Sternly. Uh, and he says, he says, always good to get messages, man. Uh, and he says, I've done it. I don't swear on the podcast, unfortunately. He continues, I've done it. Uh, I've landed a job where I can, here we go, where I can work remotely the majority of the time. When I'm not working remotely, I'll be traveling with work. Don't know why I'm telling you, but here we are. Let's ride bikes together when you're home. 100%. Uh, yeah, I'm home over Christmas, but winter's not the best time to ride bikes. But I am home uh, from April. I say home. I'm back in England from April. And so uh, I'll be building a van. Uh, so yeah, let's definitely do it. Uh, that's amazing, man. That is, like I said, that's the key. That's the key to all this. Yeah? As, as it's location independence. As long as you have location independence, the world is open to you. You know, I mean, the next is time freedom and financial freedom. They're a bit more difficult to get, <laughs> but location, especially nowadays, is is ah, oh, it's the first step, man. I love it. That's incredible to hear. So congratulations, man. All right, uh, finally. Finally. Uh, is this finally? Yeah. This is from Jonathan Crowell. Mr. Crowell. Doesn't really work. Um, doom, 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 doom. Ka, da, da, ding. No? How's yours, Bon? Oh. Eddie Van Halen. Come on. I mean, how many times have I referenced Van Halen in this podcast? Uh, for those of you that don't know, uh, Eddie Van Halen, just game changer in the guitar department, influenced an entire generation of shredders. All the shredders that you can, he died by the way, uh, I, I was getting to that. Um, uh, he, he, I mean, all the shredders from the 80s. Can you think of anyone that's not influenced by Eddie Van Halen? If you look at Paul Gilbert, this is just guitar talk now. You look at Paul Gilbert, he, he says, he says like, Almost my only influence is Eddie Van Halen, and you can hear it in his playing. He, he just broke the mold. Can you imagine hearing Eruption in 1978? Uh, for those of you that, that don't necessarily know Van Halen all that well, uh, Eddie Van Halen died recently, uh, and he was just amazing. Uh, Dutch-American, uh, he started Van Halen uh, in 1970, well, 76. Uh, with David Lee Roth, originally, I know a lot about, uh, about uh, Van Halen, originally called Mammoth, actually. Uh, 1977, they were, they were found uh, by Gene Simmons of KISS. Uh, they did a demo. Uh, not much came from it, uh, but then they did their, um, their first album. <laughs> How is this a travel show? Van Halen 1 in 1978, which is just a ridiculous album. Uh, I would recommend listening to all of Van Halen 1. It's just called Van Halen, black cover. Uh, it's just ridiculous. Uh, yeah, it starts with just the greatest track, Running With The Devil, which is like, ah, it's, ah, it's so good. But then, right, this is what I'd recommend. For anyone that hasn't heard Van Halen and, um, as a guitar player, uh, listen to the song Eruption. It's, a, it's only short and it's a guitar solo, right? And try and picture yourself in 1978, okay, 1978, uh, and you're listening to it on a, on a record deck, obviously. Like, like nothing like that has ever, uh, had ever been heard before. And just listen to Eruption and how ridiculous it sounds, even nowadays. Anyway, uh, so he died, which sucks, which totally sucks. 
so yeah, this is this one goes out to Eddie Van Halen. Uh, what was I saying? Oh yeah, it's because I was singing Mr. Crowley from Ozzy Osbourne. <laughs> Sorry about that. Uh, right. Uh, Jonathan Crowell, Mr. Crowell says, uh, happy to see you back. Thank you very much. Uh, I'm still hoping Cubed to Globe becomes a series. Such a cool idea. I know, man. I know. You are absolutely right. You are absolutely right. It's tough, man. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I don't know what the block is. I think it's the... Uh, you know what? I think it's my... I don't know what it is. It might be my enjoyment of doing the show. And I think my enjoyment... It's, it sounds like... Uh, it sounds weird, but I think my enjoyment needs, it is important in the show. I, I've seen that it is because if I'm not enjoying what I'm doing and it's not... Uh, easy is a, is a strange word because you know I, I, I appreciate the difficult things but if it's not like natural uh, another, there's another weird word but yeah if I'm not enjoying it I won't do it you know what I mean like um, sounds like a weak thing to say but it's not <laughs> uh, it's hard to explain but I don't know I feel like I feel like these episodes are not necessarily me giving you content, which is normally what a podcast is. It's normally, here you go, listeners, here is some content for you. Thank you. Uh, but I feel like with this, it's more, I would like to talk. <laughs> uh, I'm just going to talk into my phone uh, because I enjoy to do that. And it's how I come up with ideas and it's how I start the thinking process and a lot of things. And it's, it's just what I enjoy doing. And if people want to listen to it, then that's really cool. And I really like that. So that's how I feel more like what this podcast is. And so when you, when you look at that and then you look at like a bigger production, again, I don't even edit the show, you know, like um, when you look at a bigger production like that and like there's a lot of planning and stuff, it's more of an undertaking. It's more of a project that I don't think I'm ready to take on, you know. I've got a lot of projects at the moment. <laughs> I know that sounds like... Uh, I don't know. I've, not so much projects. I've just got a lot of stuff on. I've got a newborn. <laughs> like, and then we're going to be uh, flying to England and then, well, it's Christmas and stuff. And, and then we fly back here and then we're building a van. And, and it's like, I don't want to... I don't... Uh, this is what it is. I like to full-ass everything. Uh, what do I mean? <laughs> I mean, I don't like to half-ass things. <laughs> I don't know whether Americans know what that means. Ha do they know what that means? I don't know. Uh, half ass means do half-heartedly. Do something half, you know? Uh, so I want to whole ass it. And I can't whole ass it if I'm not, if I'm not in it, you know what I mean? Like, but this, I can whole ass. I can talk into this all day long. And, and, it's, and it's real, and it's a full version of what it is, you know? I don't want to half ass it, especially with Cube to Globe when I'm talking about other people's futures, you know? Like, that, that's important. The idea of cube to globe very quickly is cube is cubicle, globe is travel. It's getting you from the cubicle to traveling uh, pretty much full time. And I, I believe that I have, I have the power to, uh, to help people to uh, cross that threshold. 
Uh, and I do. And yeah, maybe it's a um, uh, maybe it's a sin not using that power <laughs> to, uh, to for good. But again, I don't wanna, I don't want to half ass building someone's future. You know what I'm saying? I don't want to do it, and then loads of stuff gets in the way, and then uh, oh no, I don't know. Yeah. However, it is still in my mind, so it I think it will happen one day. You know. It will happen one day when I've got, I don't know, less stuff on. <laughs> Sounds like an excuse, but, you know, you know that it's not. Anyway, I am also, I'm also incredibly uh, interested in that idea. I think it is such a cool idea. You're right. Anyway, he continues. Uh, I wrote you a long message last year with travel questions, and you helped assure me that I have nothing to worry about. That does sound like me. Um, <laughs> while I'm not working remotely... Uh, I am moving to Nashville this week to enjoy and explore a new city. That's awesome. I hear that Nashville is very nice. Good music, obviously. Uh, it's not complete freedom, but it's a step in the right direction to live where I want to live. Oh, and then he says, okay, scratch that. <laughs> okay, okay, new plans. See, this is the thing. Plans change, man. And this is what I'm saying uh, about, well, everything. Plans change. I don't want to start Cube to Globe and then plans change and then, oh, no, suddenly this. <laughs> so, yeah, this is, this is a living embodiment of plans changing. Uh, so he says, okay, scratch that. My plan is to spend one week a month at an Airbnb in a nearby city. Hey, I like this. Within four hours, I can be in St. Louis. St. Louis? St. Louis? Missouri? Is it Missouri? St. Louis? St. Louis, Missouri. That sounds like what people say. Uh, Atlanta, Birmingham. Hey, up. Um... <laughs> Chattanooga and more so there you go yeah like it's like when you're living in Europe or somewhere uh, if you're in Birmingham or London or somewhere you're so close to you know Amsterdam Paris Rome some of the nicest cities in the world and then some of the not cities like tiny villages you can go anywhere Airbnb man you could just if you're in London you could just go right let's go in rural France and then you just find an Airbnb and then you just go there. Not that expensive. <clears throat> you could do that. And this goes back to the, uh, to the question as well of how do I avoid the script? Do this. This is a brilliant idea. My plan is to spend one week a month at an Airbnb in a nearby city. Yeah. The time as well, I think, is relatively irrelevant. So let's say you spend every other weekend uh, in an Airbnb. You leave Friday night or, you know, just after work Friday, you go, <clears throat> oh, it's my, my every other weekend Airbnb trip. And <laughs> Friday after work, you, you do your bags and you have fun doing your bags, you know. And then you get on a, on a flight or, or whatever. Or even if it's a drive away, if you're in the States, you know. Or a train. Uh, if, you're in, if you're in England, you can get on a train or anywhere in Europe. Get yourself, if you're in Sheffield, get yourself on a train, go to London. London's a bit expensive, but, you know, go, go to Aberystwyth and uh, spend some time on the sea in an Airbnb. And then Sunday night, Sunday evening, you get back, you unpack, you go, that was lovely. And that keeps the dream alive, man. So, yeah, I love that plan. I love that plan. That's brilliant, Mr. Crowell. Do, do, do. <laughs> Mr. Crowley, Ozzy Osbourne. Look at him. Uh, right, there you go. This is going to be a long episode. This is a very long episode because there's an hour-long interview in the middle. This is crazy. Okay. Um, right. I'm going to end it here now. 
you know I'm bad at ending it. But uh, I won't be missing another week. Sorry about that. Uh, I also uh, was waiting for my computer to be fixed. Get this. It broke <clears throat> in March. Uh, for those listening in the future, it's currently October. Uh, so, <laughs> so, yeah, I'm not going to talk about my computer, though, because uh, it gets me annoyed. Uh, but I finally got it back, which means I could finally uh, do all this that sound stuff I was talking about with the interview, which means I could finally have the interview go live. So anyway, uh, right, next week I'll be talking to you at some point. <laughs> that much I can say. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that much I can say. Uh, until then, uh, thank you very much for listening. If you want to ask a question or tell me something or anything like that, it's Instagram at Digital. Let me know, and I shall speak to you all next week.